Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. If you need a Bible this morning, won't you wave at one of our ushers, and they'll be happy to pass one to you. And let them know, too, if you need uh, the gluten-free option. I think they have those available, and they're back. Amy's pointing there. Okay, great. So if you need that, just just kind of wave at the wave at the ushers as they come by and let them know that. I'm grateful for people who think of all these little details. And um, those who think of gluten-free options, those who take and... Pre- Sharon um, Rice has uh, put together and just kind of organized all of this for years and years when we do the Lord's Supper. I'm very grateful for those who work behind the scenes and take care of all these details um, so that we can experience this together. For the last two years, almost two years, every time we do the Lord's Supper... And I get asked sometimes, how often do you do the Lord's Supper here? Um, There is not a standard answer to that. Generally, about six times a year, we do the Lord's Supper. And some say, well, why not once a month or every week? Or, you know, why that? First of all, Jesus didn't tell us how often to do it. He said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. But he didn't say how often that should be. The early church, did it, it appears, they did it every time they gathered. It was a part of just the fellowship they had and the meals that they did together. The reason we do it six times a year is because we take the whole service when we do it and really focus on it. It's not something we attach to another service. It really is the service. And so, and we do that about six times a year. Um, we've been, in these last couple of years, each time we've done the Lord's Supper, looking at a different character aspect of Jesus. Because as I said a while ago, and you can't see it because there's a tablecloth on here, but on the front of the table, it has etched on there, engraved on it, uh, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We're to remember him, and often what we remember is that he died for us, and that he was buried and he rose again, and we should. That is the crux. That is, that is the heart of the gospel. That is the heart of our faith. What we believe and who we are is that Jesus died for us, that he rose again on the third day, that he's seated in the heavens, and that he has purchased new life for us, that we have, as the old Christmas carol says, we have healing in his wings, or healing in their wings. They rose with healing in their wings, but healing through him. We have, we have been changed. We have new life in Jesus Christ because of what he did for us. We remember that when we take this, and we don't ever want to forget that. But there are other aspects of Jesus that he wants us to look at, to be aware of. And today we're going to look at another aspect of Jesus. Because Jesus said he was the great physician. He's the healer. We're going to look at that today before we take the Lord's Supper together. How many of you can finish this phrase? Early to bed, early to rise. Yes, yes. There's this, has always been this kind of undertone of health and wealth, especially in American culture. It's probably human nature, but especially in American culture. There's a great emphasis that we have on health and wealth. And they're obviously important. I mean, they matter a lot in this physical, temporal world. 
Now, Jesus dealt with wealth. He's very specific about wealth, that he didn't want us to love wealth. He didn't want us to have our eye or our heart set on it, that the wealth that we experience is the wealth that we have in him and that he provides for our needs, but he never wanted you and me as believers to have a heart that was pursuing wealth. It is a snare. In fact, Proverbs says it's a snare. The pursuit of, of wealth and riches is a snare to us. And so there is all the teaching that Jesus did about money and about wealth. But what about health? In Exodus chapter 15, way back in the Old Testament, the children of Israel are, are moving out. They're coming out of Egypt. And the Lord makes a promise to them. He says, if you'll dil diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes, then he says, if you'll do this, then I won't put, and you give ear to my commandments, keep my say, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. All the plagues, all the things that he had done to them. He said, I won't do that to you. And then he makes a very strong statement. He says, I am the Lord who heals you. I am, in the Hebrew, Jehovah Rophe. I am the God who heals. Let me ask you a question. When God says he is something, does he stop? Does he ever stop being that? No. Scripture says he's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't stop being who he says he is. If he says he was healer in Exodus, is he still healer today? Yes, he is. As a matter of fact, if we go to the New Testament, and I read through every case, every example of healing in the Gospels. If you go through that, you will find it is a huge part of Jesus' ministry and what he does. is bringing about healing, not just spiritual healing, which we celebrate when we have the Lord's Supper, because we know that. We know, according to Isaiah, that by his stripes we are healed. That healing starts at a spiritual level. He makes us new in Christ. He makes us new creatures. He heals us from the inside out. All right, so that healing starts at a spiritual level. But do you think that the God who created you and me as three parts, spirit, soul, and body, do you think he cares about your soul, about your emotions, about healing in that area? Absolutely. What about your body? It would be, it would be strange to think that he cares about two-thirds of you, but he doesn't really care about the other third. He cares about all of you. And when he says, I'm the God who heals, I am the healer, not just spiritual healing, not just emotional healing, but physical healing. I do all three. When he sent his disciples out, he told them, he said, I want you to go and I give you authority to do two primary things. Now they're sharing the gospel. They're sharing Jesus Christ as they go. But he said, there's two primary things I want you to do as you, as you go. Do you remember what they were? They did all of that. They healed the sick, but the two primary categories, heal the sick and cast out demons. Those are two primary things when he sent them out. And you'll see this repeated over and over again when they go out. Heal the sick and cast out demons. And somehow, both of those have gotten kind of spooky and scary for us, and so we put them over in a corner. The casting out demons and healing the sick. We don't fully understand it. And so there's a, a certain fear often. Even now, as I begin to talk about healing, I can sense in some of you, it's like, where's he going with this? All right? Can I, can I share something with you? I'm just, I'm just going to talk to you for a minute. And then we're going to go over to Mark chapter 1. 
That's, that's our primary text today is Mark chapter 1. When we start talking about healing, can I tell you three things that Jesus is not? We're, going to talk, we're talking about who he is, but can I tell you three things he is not? First of all, he is not a sensationalist. He's not. If you'll notice when he healed in the Gospels, most of the time he told them, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Now he said, well, it wasn't his time. What exactly does that mean? It wasn't his time. It was certainly his time to heal. And there were other things that were happening. And we know that there was a lot of jealousy and opposition that came as word of him spread. But the thing that you see in Jesus when he heals is that he didn't make a big show out of it. It was very personal and it was very relational. It was very intimate when he was involved in healing. But, he, but it wasn't a big... There is much that happens today in the name of Christianity and healing that seems to be very sensational. Okay, I don't want to be critical or judgmental, but it seems to be very sensational. Jesus was not sensational. You do not see that in the Gospels. He was very personal. He was very relational. He was very simple. Often, it was just the individual. I want you to be aware of... I want you to be wise. I guess that's what I'm, that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm desiring. Don't believe everything that you see or hear. Don't everything that you see supposedly in the name of Jesus. Try these things to see if they be of God or not. Don't be critical. Don't be skeptical. Be wise and discerning. Ask the Lord to show you. Lord, is this really of you? I mean, I have seen, and you have too. I have seen some strange things done in the name of Jesus, in the name of healing. Strange things. Jesus was not sensational. I'll tell you what else you don't see in Jesus. I'm going to use this term and then I'll explain it. He wasn't a confessionist. He wasn't a confessionist. What do you mean by that term? There are, there, there can be a teaching that Jesus wants to heal everything in you right now, immediately, permanently. And if he does not, then there's something wrong with you. Now, I will grant you that in Scripture, that there's a basis at times where there are things that God wants to change in our life, and he brings healing about because of that. I'll give you an example. For years, I have been prone... I mean, I don't get sick very often, but when I did get sick, it was always the same symptoms. It would start in my throat and then rest in my chest. And I would sound like, you know, it's just awful. It's just all this in my chest. And, and this would happen to me. If I got sick, this is what I would go through. And I began to see this pattern ever so often. And I, I'd go to the Lord and talk to him. And he made it really clear to me, Troy. There are limits that I have put on your body because, see, I have this problem. I don't like to go to bed, but I don't, I don't like to sleep either. I, I kind of just want to keep going and going and going. The body wasn't designed for that. It needs appropriate rest. It needs appropriate nutrition. It needs, it, it's designed in a certain way. And if I try to violate God's design for my body, it will get sick. And so... I can pray all day long, Lord, heal me. And he does show mercy at times and do that. But the reality is more often than not, he simply caused me 
to stop and to rest. Because there is a design, a pattern that he has for me. So I believe that there are times when we are sick and it's our fault. Okay? I do believe that. I don't believe, though, a hyper-teaching that would say that if you pray and you don't receive healing, that it's always something wrong with you. You didn't have enough faith. You didn't believe enough. You didn't do the right process. That is, in my opinion, based on my study of Scripture, that is a hyper-teaching. Jesus was not a confessionist. As a matter of fact, if you'll look at all of the examples of healing in the Gospels, you will find that they're not the same. Because sometimes they'll say, well, if you have enough faith. Not everyone who got healed in the Gospels came to Jesus. Some came to Jesus and they had faith in him. Others were brought to Jesus. It wasn't them coming on their own faith. Others had faith and they brought them. Others Jesus called out. They weren't looking for Jesus. He was looking for them. And he called them out. But if you go through and you look at every example of healing in the New Testament, they're different. Can I tell you, some of you, and I know you, I've talked to you, some of you have been hurt deeply because a well-meaning brother or sister came to you and said, you know what, you could be free of this if you would just believe more or you would pray this way or you would do this. And they, and they mean well. But I want to tell you, that does great damage. You know what it does? It basically takes and puts shame and guilt on the individual to say, I have to get this thing right in order to receive from Jesus. I want to tell you folks, that's dead works. That's dead works. That is not grace. Now, there are things that the Lord will call you and me to change. There may even be sin in our life that he will speak to. And sometimes there's ignorance in our life that we're not aware of and he will teach us. I believe all of that. But be very careful saying 100% of the time, if you're not healed, then there's something wrong with you. You didn't do something right or you're doing something wrong. The scripture just does not bear that out. Not in the New Testament. Jesus was not an exhibitionist or sensationalist. He was not a confessionist. And he wasn't dispensational. There are those who would say healing was just for the Gospels because Jesus had to prove that he was Messiah. There's a there's a Greek word for that. It's called hogwash. <laughs> Jesus didn't have to prove anything. He didn't have to prove he was the Son of God. He was the Son of God. Jesus didn't do miracles to prove he was God. He was God, and because he was God, he did miracles. The miracles flowed because of who he was. And we're going to see in a minute what motivated that when we look at the, here in Mark chapter 1. He still heals today he still heals today now there are before i leave this and then we're going to look at my promise you we're going to mark chapter one before i leave this but this is very important i have wrestled with this for decades i have wrestled with it up close and personal because i have lost all of my immediate family members and we've walked through different scenarios with each one but this idea of praying and seeing god heal and all i have walked through it I've wrestled with it personally, up close. But there are three other things you need to understand. I told you what Jesus is not. There are three kinds of healing. And you need to understand this. There are three kinds of healing. The first is natural healing. How many of you have ever had 
a cut or a scratch or a wound or something. It wasn't major, but it bled. How many have ever had that? All right. Did it stop? Did it stop bleeding? Obviously, you're still here. All right. That is natural healing. The, God designed, God heals us naturally. He has designed our bodies to heal themselves. That's the reason you get scabs on a cut. That's the reason that white blood cells attack you know, invaders, germs and things in our body, viruses, different things. That, that's the reason, because God made us, he made our bodies to have natural healing, heal themselves. All of us have experienced that. Then there is what I would call assisted healing. Some might call this medical healing. I call it assisted healing. Because a good medical professional, a doctor, nurse, whatever they are, any medical practitioner, if they see their role correctly, they simply work with God's design in the body to bring about healing. Now, sometimes, how many have ever had stitches? Yeah, me too. I had a lot of them. All right? That is simply assisted healing. The body heals itself. But stitches kind of help the process along because otherwise it would take longer or it could be nastier. So there's assisted healing that happens in that. How many of you have ever had minor surgery? Okay, great. How many have had major surgery? How many have had plastic surgery? No, 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 I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't answer that, all right? I guess that's assisted healing in some way too, right? All right. These are all assisted healing where God has given wisdom and ability to help the body do what it naturally does which is heal itself and then there is and by the way while we're talking about assisted healing when I go through the gospels and when I go through the new testament I can find nothing that tells me that you have to go the route of assisted healing in other words there's nothing in it that says you have to use whatever medical technology and tools are available you have to do that that that's what God has designed. Because that is, that is one extreme. That you must take advantage of all that. I also, when I go through the New Testament, can find nothing that says that you shouldn't use it. So what does that mean? It means with each one of us, we go before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Do I use assisted healing? Is that something that you want to do in my case? Some of you have had chemo or you've had different things. Is that wrong? Is that a lack of faith? Not according to Scripture. It would be if Jesus told you personally, don't do it. And in some situations, the Lord does it. I know people where the Lord tells them, do not do this. Then they obey. And they're not wrong to do so. And others who walk that route and go through assisted healing, assisted or medical healing, and they're not wrong to do that as long as the Lord gives them freedom to do so. There, you know what we want, folks? Here's what I want. I want a plan. I want a process. I, I want somebody to give me an outline and a list, a checklist of all the things I'm supposed to do. I do it the right way, and then I get the desired result. That's what I want. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And so here we have, we have natural healing, we have assisted healing, and then we have miraculous healing. Where God does what only he can do, Mike is an example of miraculous healing the doctors gave up quite honestly I'm sorry to say my I gave up I thought he'll never come out of this he'll never come out of this this is where God's been challenging me too of late Troy you don't believe me for enough now again I'm not saying again don't misinterpret that I'm not saying it's all dependent upon my faith I'm just saying God's always doing a work in us if we're willing to take us deeper 
so that we will believe him for more. And there are any number of you around this room who would say you are an example of miraculous healing where God did something that doctors cannot explain. There's no human explanation for it, but he healed. Look with me, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 40, it says a leper came to him, came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling and said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. This is the crux of the matter, folks. You will not find a passage anywhere in the Bible that more directly gets to the heart of the matter than this one when it comes to healing. Because everybody in this room would probably say, I believe that God can heal. The question is, is he willing? Will he heal? The leper came and said the same thing. He said, if you will, you can make me clean. In other words, you're able, Jesus, if you want to. If you want to, you can do this. Notice what he says next. Jesus answers him. He was moved with pity. Some translations say he was filled with compassion. He stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. I will. Not only am I able, but I want to. I want to. I want you to understand something here. Jesus his desire, his will in your life and in my life is healing. That is his desire. Not only is he able, it is his will. He, he is able. We all agree there he is able. But what is his desire? He says, I will. I'm willing to do this. Not just spiritually, which we celebrate when we do this, not just emotionally. By the way, when we talk about healing and assisted healing, all those things, there are emotional issues that we face and that people face in this day. Jesus wants to bring healing there too. And they're physical things. I want you to understand that Jesus has compassion on you, on me, when we are hurting. He cares. He says, I am willing. That's who I am by nature. Now that leads to the million dollar question. Let's finish reading this passage and then I'll give you the question, all right? He said to him, I will be clean. And then notice what it says, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Now notice the next part here. In there, I think there's more, isn't there more there? Or is it just not working? Oh, there we go. And Jesus sternly charged him. I just didn't read it. That would help, wouldn't it? And Jesus sternly charged... I'm still on vacation, I guess. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. So Jesus, again, is not making a big show of this. He said, don't tell anybody. Just go do, show yourself to the priest, do what the law requires. So here's the million dollar question. If Jesus is able and he's willing, why isn't everyone healed? I mean, that's the question, isn't it? If he's able and he's willing, why isn't everyone healed? 
I have spent decades wrestling with that. I have the most simple, honest answer I can give you this morning. It's taken me 20, 25 years to get here, but here's the most simple, honest answer I can give you. I do not know. I do not know. He is able and he is willing. Now we have developed all kinds of systems of theology to try to figure it out and explain it. That's where we've come up with this whole confessionist thing where if you had more faith, you would be healed. If you did it this way, if you had this person pray for you, if you, I remember one time, because we, we do what James says, where we anoint with oil. We call for the elders. You call for the elders. When you're sick, you call for the elders. We come, we anoint you with oil. We pray for you. The prayer of faith heals the sick. We believe that. We operate in that. But we don't believe that it is the elders or the oil or any of that that does the healing. Jesus does the healing. He's the healer. We were in a situation one time where someone was very upset with us because we were, all the elders were gathered around and they said, hey, I really would love the elders to pray for me and anoint with oil. It's like, well, we don't have any oil right at the moment, but we're all gathered. We'll lay hands and pray for you. Well, that won't work because you don't have the oil and that, that won't do any good. Well, it's like, it's not a formula. There is obedience and when we have oil, we use it, all right? But it's not a formula. Jesus is the healer, and we come to him to ask him to do what only he can do. So why is it that it seems like sometimes he does not do that? I don't know. But I'll tell you what I do know. You want a biblical confession of healing, and I believe this is as biblical as you're going to get. It comes from the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. Do you remember the story of Daniel? Obviously, in the lion's den. But there's another real story in that in the book of Daniel. Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that? And when they were brought before the king and said, you will bow or you're going into the fiery furnace. What did they say? This is the confession. You want a biblical confession of healing? Here it is. This applies across the board. God is able to deliver us and he will read it. He is able and he will deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, King, we will not bow the knee. You know what they were saying? God is able, and he will. But if for some reason that I cannot understand, he chooses not to, I want you to understand, I'm still going to trust him, no matter what. No matter what. And in the final analysis, isn't that healing? If God does that in me, I've read Paul's declaration so often, the Apostle Paul, when he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, to die is better. I'd rather die because I get to go be with him. But for me to live is Christ, to die is... And he said, it doesn't matter whether I live or die, it's all about Christ. And I've often thought, Lord, I want to live that way. I want to believe that. I want to feel that way. When Jesus does his greatest healing in you and me, we can say it doesn't matter whether I live or die. It doesn't matter. It's all Christ. I'm going to trust you no matter what you do. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Jesus is the healer. That's who he is. 
Do you believe that today? He is your healer. By his stripes, we are healed. Spirit, soul, body. It's not limited. We are healed. Before we take the Lord's Supper together, I ask you, are you willing to believe that he is able and that he is willing? And so when you need healing in any part of your life, when your emotions need healing, when depression sets in, when discouragement sets in, when lies overwhelm you when your heart is broken and hurting he's the healer he is able he is willing and I will come to him and if he doesn't do it exactly the way I was imagining or in the time frame that I was expecting I still believe he is the healer I will come I will come when my body needs healing. He's the healer. He is able. He is willing. So I'm going to come and pray and say, Lord, heal me. Lord, heal them. I'm going to ask him to do that because that's who he is. And if for some reason I don't understand and he doesn't reveal to me, at least at that moment, he's not doing it in the time frame that I thought or the way that I thought, God, I still believe that you are the healer. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to ask. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep believing. Because that's who you are. You say, Troy, this is kind of murky for me. I wish it was clearer. So do I. I wish I could answer this question for you. Why it doesn't seem that it always, it doesn't seem to always happen. I wish I could answer that. I've seen God do miraculous things repeatedly. I've also prayed in faith, believing, and seen a person dead in a week. I can't explain that. I can't. All I can do is believe that Jesus is the healer and that it is never wrong to believe that and to come to him. Never. It is never wrong. You need healing today. We come to take the Lord's Supper. He said, remember me. He wants to remind you of me today. He's the healer. You just come to him. Receive him. We received him initially for new life, to be a new creation. But I keep receiving him and who he is for my soul and for my body. And one day, I will be healed. Can I remind you of something? That all the healing that takes place in your temporal body is temporary? All of it. Natural, assisted, or miraculous. It's all temporary. Because we are temporary in temporary bodies. 
But one day it won't be temporary anymore. So my trust is not in the healing, it's in the healer. And when I have that, I am already healed. Lord Jesus, do a work in us. I pray today for those who are struggling with this directly. It affects them very personally today, whether in soul or body. I pray I lift them up to you. I pray against the enemy and the accuser who would come and condemn them and say it's your fault. There's something you're doing wrong. You haven't done the right thing yet. Lord, if they're seeking you, if they're coming to you, they're doing the right thing. I pray you'd speak that and reveal that to them today. If they're trusting you, they're doing the right thing. I pray against guilt and condemnation. I pray against that you that is not from you, Lord. I pray for those who their heart is broken over someone that's dear to them that they love and they're watching them suffer. I pray today, God, you would speak to them again. Jesus, you would remind them that you're the healer and they would trust you. They keep coming to you. They keep asking and believing. Even if it doesn't look the way they think it's supposed to right now, they keep coming, they keep asking, they keep believing. Lord, as we take this together, we're receiving you and all that you are. We're believing today that you are our healer.